Merry Christmas. So thankful that you've joined us as we worship Jesus together. Uh, just uh, wondering, how many of you before you came were watching a little bit of a game? I feel like each and every week there is a different Christmas miracle joke that we can make about the things that are going on in some of these games. Yes. Uh, we have some kids in here. We had kids in the last service. By show of hands, how many of you kids are waiting to open gifts that you'll open later tonight? Okay. Yep. And how many of you are waiting till tomorrow to open gifts? All right. Either way, those of you particularly that are opening tonight are like, how, how long is that guy going to talk? Like, are you kidding me? There's gifts at home. I'm waiting. Well, let's go. We are so glad that you have taken time in order to come and be a part of this church family as we celebrate the birth of Jesus together. And we recognize that as we do that, there are thousands of people gathered in churches around Scott County who are celebrating Jesus' birth this evening. There are uh, hundreds of thousands in Minnesota who are celebrating Jesus' birth, tens of millions in the United States, and literally billions around the world who today will celebrate the birth of Jesus. Why? Right. Well, why will almost 2.2 billion people gather in churches today in order to celebrate the birth of a baby to a poor couple in a little and politically unimportant town 2,000 years ago? The answer is because this baby that was born is unlike any baby ever born before or after. Because he is God in the flesh who has come to dwell among his creation. He is God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, come to dwell among the people that he has made. And the Bible says that when Jesus came, he came for a reason. That reason is to save us. And so tonight, we are going to celebrate Jesus' birth, and we are going to celebrate his salvation. And as we do that, we're going to look at the most famous passage that talks about his birth, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And I am going to have some helpers who are going to be helping me throughout this afternoon uh, slash evening uh, with the sermon that we're going to be looking at as we look at three eternally important truths about why we celebrate Christmas. Right, the first truth about why we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate Christmas because Jesus saves people from their sins. Jesus saves people from their sins. I want to ask my friend Scarlett if she will come and read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 for us. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cornelius was governor of Syria. Yes. Thank you, Scarlett. That was great. Uh, as we read just the first two verses of what we often refer to as the Christmas story, we recognize that there's a, a wonderful illustration in the first name in the Christmas story 
of the big problem that all of humanity has. The Bible says the big problem that all of humanity has is a problem of sin and selfishness. And the very first name in the Christmas story is an illustration of how large that problem can grow, right? Who's the first name? Caesar Augustus, right? A decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was a, a sinful and selfish and mess of a man. He inherited one-third of the Roman Empire to rule over when his uncle Julius Caesar died. Another third of the Roman Empire went to a man named Mark Antony. Another third went to a man named Marcus Lepidus. Augustus was not satisfied ruling over one-third of the Roman Empire, and so he made a pact with Mark Antony that they would go and attack Marcus Lepidus, which they did, and they defeated him. And so now, Mark Antony and Augustus both ruled over half of the Roman Empire. If you had to guess, how long would you guess Augustus was satisfied ruling over half of the Roman Empire? Yeah, it wasn't very long before he broke that pact, that truce that he had made with Mark Antony, and went down and attacked Mark Antony, defeating his troops. Tens of thousands of people died in these battles, but ultimately... By the time 27 BC rolled around, it led to Augustus being the sole emperor of the Roman Empire. Augustus had a, a beautiful wife who had had an heir for him, and he grew tired of her. So he told her and his son, the heir, that they had to leave Rome, and they were never allowed to come back to the city under penalty of death. He then married his mistress, and then took on several more mistresses. He regularly dipped into the public funds in order to build personal homes and retreats for himself. Or he, he built all sorts of places that bore his name so that people would be in awe of his greatness, including the Temple of Augustus, where people could go and worship him. Augustus was not the name that he was given at birth. That was Gaius Octavius. He took the name Augustus because it means the illustrious one or the great light. It was a name that before him had never before been taken by a human being. It had only been applied to the Roman gods up until that time. But Augustus claimed it for himself late in his life, having currency printed, that had the title Dominus et Deus on it, Lord and God of the Roman Empire. Uh, Augustus, his, his, his arrogance and his pride went so far that at one point he decided to rename one of the months from Sextilis to August in order to have people adorn him and recognize his glory. Uh, Augustus is a man filled with, with pride, and violence, a, a man who is uh, sinful and selfish. And the Bible says that while Augustus may have had an opportunity to express those things because of his power and his might in ways that were known throughout the world, but that, that sin and selfishness issue is one that we all deal with. The Bible says everybody has sinned and has fallen short of the glory of God. When I was seven or eight years old, do we have any seven or eight-year-olds in here? All right, a few, oh, nice, a few, and Tim, I love it. When I was seven or eight years old, 
I went into the bathroom of our house and there was baby powder up on the counter and I knocked a baby powder off and it spilled all over the floor and baby powder, it just like poofs out, is that all over the place. And when I looked at it, I was like, wow, that looks really hard to clean up. And so I set the baby powder back up on the counter and I went outside and started shooting baskets. I, I guess I thought that maybe some sort of magic cleaning fairy would come along and take care of it. But it wasn't long before my mom and my dad asked me to come inside, sat my sister and I down and said, who is it that spilled the baby powder all over the bathroom and didn't clean it up? My sister said, it wasn't me. Do you know why? Because it wasn't her. <laughs> I said, it wasn't me. Do you know why? Because I really didn't want to get in trouble. And I stuck with it and insisted, no, it, it must have been her. It must have been my sister. It wasn't me. Why would I do that? Right? Why would I throw my sister under the bus like that, my younger sister? Why would I lie? Why would I disobey? Why would I do those things? Because that problem that shines on the grand scale with Augustus is also a problem within me, a problem of sin and selfishness and pride. And the Bible says it's a problem that all of us has. And so God sent his son, Jesus, in order to deal with that problem of sin and selfishness. So that in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says, I've come to earth in order to be a substitute for you. I, I've come in order to give my life as a ransom to pay the penalty for your sins so that you can have my righteousness applied to you. And so Jesus comes as our great substitute. The reason he came to earth is to save people from their sins. And the reason that we celebrate Christmas is because Jesus came in order to, in order to save us from our sins. Can you imagine a greater gift than that? Right? That is as good a gift as anyone could ever possibly be offered. Right? I would like to invite Anna to come up and place our first gift in front of the cross this evening. We celebrate Christmas because Jesus saves people from our sins. Amen. Thank you. We celebrate Jesus saving people from their sins in a lot of the Christmas carols that we sing. And maybe one of them that talks about it in the clearest of ways is called, O Holy Night. Listen to these lyrics from that song. Long lay the world in sin and ever pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn, the morn of our salvation. And when people start to live out that salvation, he describes what happens in the song. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we, with all within let us praise his holy name. Jesus saves us from our sins. Let's celebrate that now by singing O Holy Night. Would you stand with me? The first two verses of Luke 2, 1 through 7 remind us that 
We celebrate Christmas because Jesus saves people from their sins. The next three verses, verses 3 through 5, remind us we celebrate Christmas because Jesus keeps all of his promises. Our God makes promises and he keeps each and every one. I'd like to ask Lincoln if he would come forward and read Luke chapter 2, verses 3 through 5 for us. And all went to... And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went to be, also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the houses and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary and betrothed, who is with child. Thank you, Lincoln. God made many promises about how Jesus would be born. He made them hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. And in these verses, we see the details of the fulfillment of some of those promises that he made. For example, 700 years before Jesus was born, God promised that when Emmanuel, God with us, came, he would be born of a virgin. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, he, and he shall, you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. 700 years later, that prophecy was fulfilled. That promise was completed in the person of Jesus Christ. We see in this passage, Mary headed to Bethlehem in order to give birth. Mary, who is a virgin, is about to give birth. To Emmanuel, God with us. The fact that she's headed to Bethlehem is a reminder of another promise that God made about the birth of his son. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, God said, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. God says, There, there is one day going to be born in Bethlehem, a ruler who is of ancient days. How is that possible? It's only possible in the person of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And how is it that he came to be born in Bethlehem? Mary and Joseph, they lived in Nazareth of Galilee. That's 85 to 90 miles from Bethlehem. And people in that day didn't travel around like we do in this day of the automobile and airplanes. It would be unlikely that Mary and Joseph would ever make their way to Bethlehem. And yet God brought about through his sovereignty a, a command, a decree from the most powerful person on earth in order to bring Jesus to exactly where he said he would be born to fulfill all of the promises that he had made. God promised in the Old Testament that when his son was born, the Savior King would be born from the line of Abraham, from the line of Judah, from the line of David. We just saw David mentioned in those verses. And that is precisely the lines that Jesus comes from. As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6, it says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord our 
righteousness. That is precisely what Jesus is. He's our righteousness. He takes our sins and our punishment, and in its place, He gives us His righteousness. He is the Lord, our righteousness. Isaiah chapter 9 says that when the Savior King comes, He'll be a great light in the land of Galilee. And that's precisely what Jesus was. And we could go on like this. Promises about His birth, promises about His life, His death, His resurrection made hundreds of years before he was born, and God fulfilled every one of those because Jesus keeps all of his promises. And we are encouraged by the fact that if Jesus has kept all of his promises here, he is going to keep all of the promises that he has made to you, especially those promises about your salvation. We're particularly focused on those this evening. What kinds of promises has he made to you? How about the complete and total forgiveness of all of your sins? If you've placed your faith in him, Acts chapter 10, verse 43 says, About him, Jesus, all the prophets testify that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. If you're a follower of Jesus, can you count on that forgiveness of sins? Right? 100%. 100%. How about peace with God. That's a promise that Jesus has made to us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, we're told of those who believe in Jesus. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you count on peace with God? 100% if you are His child. How about being brought into the very family of God? If you trust in Jesus and place your faith in Him, John 1.12 says, but to all who have received Him, those who believe in His name, He's given the right to become children of God. Can you count on that promise? 100%. How about the promise of eternal life? John chapter 3, verse 36, the one who believes in the Son has eternal life. The one who rejects the Son will not see life, but God's wrath remains on him. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ and placed your faith in Him, can you be confident in the promise of eternal life? Right? Yes, 100%. These are great gifts from God. God's salvation is a great gift that is given to us, but in fact, it's more gifts than we can count that have been given to us in the salvation that He has provided for us. I'd like to ask Avery if she would come forward and present our next gift in front of the cross. We celebrate Christmas because Jesus keeps all his promises. Amen. Thank you, Avery. There is a Christmas carol that talks about Jesus as the fulfillment of all of God's promises. The carol is called, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Why was He expected? Because God had made promises over hundreds and hundreds of years that He would come. And so we're going to sing that song together, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Listen to some of these beautiful lyrics. Uh, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, born to set Thy people free. From our fears and sins release us, let us find our rest in Thee. Born Thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. 
born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine own sufficient merit, raise to us too thy glorious throne. Let's stand together and sing those amazing words as we celebrate Jesus and his salvation and fulfillment of all promises. As we walk through Luke 2, 1 through 7, the first two verses remind us that Jesus saves people from their sins. The next three verses remind us that Jesus keeps every one of his promises. All of those promises that he has made to you if you've placed your faith in him, you can count on those 100%. And then the final two verses of our passage remind us that we celebrate Christmas because Jesus saves anyone who has faith in him. Anyone who has faith in him. In him. I'd like to invite McKenna to come forward and read our final two verses, Luke 2, verses 6 and 7. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Thank you, McKenna. Who is it that can be saved by the work of Jesus? The circumstances of Jesus' birth are intentionally humble as a reminder to us that any person who places their faith in him can be saved. Jesus comes and he is born into a situation where his parents are poor. He's born into a situation where there is no room in the inn in which he winds up being born among the animals and is immediately and firstly placed into a feed trough that we call a manger. Could God have done it a different way? Could God have brought his one and only son to be born into opulence, to be born into riches, to be born into comfort? Could God, if he wanted to, have opened up a room in the inn? Absolutely. But this was his intention This was on purpose. God brought his son into these humble circumstances as a reminder that you don't have to be among the rich. You you don't have to be among the uh, elites. You don't have to be among those who are well-educated. You don't have to be among those that society considers to be up here in order to be saved by Jesus. These humble circumstances are a reminder. Salvation is for anyone and everyone who will place their faith in him. That is why a few verses later, when the angels come to announce the birth in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, they say this is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Right? Every kind of person this salvation is for. As a matter of fact, when those angels then fully declare Jesus' birth, they do so to a group of shepherds. Shepherds who were thought of in this society as dirty and were socially low within this structure. It's just another reminder that salvation is for anyone who will place their faith in Jesus Christ. I would love to have Marshall and Matthew come and place the the last gift for us under the cross as a reminder of this amazing gift that Jesus offers to us. We celebrate Christmas because Jesus saves everyone who has faith in him. 
The Bible says his salvation is for anyone who will repent of their life of sin and selfishness and turn to Jesus and place their faith in him. John 1.12, we just read, says, but to all who have received him, those who believe in his name, he's given the right to become children of God. The good news we see in, this, in these humble circumstances is that you don't have to be from some level of society, some strata of wealth, some degree of education in order to have the salvation of Jesus available to you. It is for all who will place their faith in him. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, have you done that in your life? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus? Jesus says, I have come as a substitute so that anyone who trusts in me to be their savior and to be the king over their life, anyone who says, I, I don't want to live my life my way anymore. I, I don't want to follow after the things of, of sin that the world offers. I want to follow after you, Jesus. Anyone who places their trust in Jesus can be saved by him and live their life with him. Have you ever done that in your life? I'd love to give all of you just a moment. Uh, if you'd close your eyes with me, and before the Lord, if you've never done that before, and tonight God is at work in you, would you cry out to him in your heart, Jesus, I, I want you to save me. I need to be saved from my sins. Jesus, I need to be made a new person. Jesus, I trust that you're the one who can do it because you are the Savior. Jesus, I want you to be king over my life and rule and reign over my days. I don't want to do that in my own life for myself anymore. I want you to do it in my life, Jesus. Amen. If that's you this evening and you've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus for the first time, I, I want to encourage you. Uh, our youth director, Chris, is going to be right over here at that table. And he has a gift that we would love to give you. It is a, a Bible that will help you walk through the essentials of what it means to follow after Jesus. And, and you, you'll want to visit Chris. Uh, what is Chris's last name for those who've gotten to know him? That's right, right. And, and who wouldn't want to visit Chris Moss today, right? This is, don't boo Chris. You guys are so mean. Chris would love to, to chat with you about any commitments of faith that you've made tonight as well as give you that gift that we have for you. For everyone, we would love for 2023 to be a year in which you dig into your relationship with Jesus and draw closer to him than you've ever been before. And as a part of that, we're asking anyone who's willing and interested to join us as we read through the Bible together as a church this year. Maybe you've never read through the whole Bible before, or maybe you have and you want to do it again. We would love for you to join us as we go through a Bible reading plan as a church, as a church family. Uh, you, you can find the Bible reading plan at that address. 
Uh, there's also papers out on the Welcome Center out there that have the information about the Bible reading plan. And we just want to dig in and spend time in the Word. This particular Bible reading plan comes with some devotions each and every day that help explain some of the passages or help you apply them to your life. And so uh, we'd love to participate that in that as a family together as we draw closer and closer uh, to our God. We celebrate Christmas because Jesus saves people from their sins. We celebrate Christmas because Jesus fulfills every promise. And we celebrate Christmas because Jesus saves anyone who places their faith in him. One of the songs that celebrates Jesus' salvation of everyone, every kind of person who places their faith in him is the song Silent Night. And so we're going to sing that together before we're dismissed this evening. But I'd love to read some of the lyrics. This first one, this first verse that I'm going to read to you may be familiar. Silent night, holy night. Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. The fourth verse of Silent Night might not be as familiar to you, but listen to these words. Silent night, holy night, here at last, healing light. From the heavenly kingdom sent, abundant grace for our intent. Jesus, salvation for all. Jesus, salvation for all.